Hi friends, today we're talking about assassinations and the conspiracy theories that follow along with them because there are two sides to every crime. You're listening to Two Monicas and a Microphone, a podcast about nothing serious, seriously. I'm your host, Monica. And I'm the other Monica. Get ready to talk about anything and everything from vampires to color blindness to pet peeves to hot dogs. We've got insight or opinions on nearly every topic, just like you. And we know you do too. Listen in and let's have some fun together. Monica, today, like I said, we're talking about assassinations and the conspiracy theories that surround them, which is one of my favorite things because it's true crime. And it's also a little bit controversial talking about who killed JFK. When we first started this adventure a year ago, one of our first explorations was obsessions. And I confess to you that I was obsessed with finding the true killer of JFK. So here I am again, obsessed with more than just JFK, all of the other assassinations in history. Sounds a little morbid, but it's actually really intriguing. So in an attempt to narrow down the scope of this overwhelming topic, we picked just a few of the most famous ones. And since we can't dive into every theory, we'll just explore some of the prevailing conspiracies. Are you ready? I'm always ready for this. Oh, yes. Okay, so we're going to go into the Wayback Machine. Mm -hmm. We're going to start with Julius Caesar. And we're not talking about salad dressing. We're not. And we discussed the salad dressing and how it had anchovies in it in the condiments episode, if you really are interested in salad dressing. That's right. And do you eat Caesar dressing? Yeah, I love it. Okay. But it still has anchovies. I know. (laughs) Or anchovy paste. Yep. Yep. Learn all about that. That's right. So what do we know about Julius and why et tu brute is a phrase still uttered? I would say that really the reason that et te brute is still uttered is because of Shakespeare, who completely made that up, by the way, hate to ruin history for everybody. Okay, so I'm going to ruin it. Conspiracy. Yeah. I'm just saying Shakespeare's why. Shakespeare's why we say it. Because Julius Caesar was very prominent. He was emperor for life, (laughs) self-appointed. Gotta love that. Like I keep telling Paul, we just need to start a cult so we can be (laughs) self-appointed. I'm not a history buff. Julius Caesar was murdered in the Roman state house by a group of nobles on March 15, 44 BCE. This assassination plot was led by Brutus and Cassius. But why was he assassinated? Basically, what I can find that it comes down to without doing an entire dissertation on it is the same old, same old dictator for life. People didn't like it. Other people wanted power. Other people had ideas. And they decided that he was in the way of the future of the empire. That's it. Yeah. And it's pretty gruesome how he died. This was before guns and he was not poisoned. (laughs) Definitely 44 BCE before guns. But it doesn't mean that there weren't many, many people plotting to murder him. So according to this, 60 conspirators were planning to murder him, but only 23 stabbed him. It sounds a lot like murder on the Orient Express. 
except everyone there participated. Yeah, there probably weren't 60 of them, though, were there? Uh, No, it's like 13. Here's what I think about that. Now, I wasn't there, nor have I read this, but 60 people planning. I mean, you're only going to have access. I mean, you all 60 people can't touch him. So I think the only reason that 23 stabbed him, it was just accessibility. And they stabbed him with little tiny daggers, not swords. It's like death by a thousand paper cuts. Absolutely. And he actually did fight back and got up. But I mean, 23 stabbed him and there were, you know, so many more coming. And he was outnumbered. He was outnumbered and his friends were either preoccupied or being held back from saving him. This was actually more of a military style coup with Mm -hmm. the execution of it. It was very, very precise and no mistakes were made, including getting Caesar to show up because he wasn't even going to show up that day, Monica. His wife had had like a series of bad omens and she's like, I don't want you to go to the Senate today. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So then his friend, and this is where I get a little upset with Shakespeare. Cassius and Brutus really weren't the ones who spearheaded this. It was actually a guy named, I now I'm not exactly sure with the whole Latin here, if they say the C's hard or not, but Decimus, okay. who was actually a friend of Caesar's. You want to know who was not a friend of Caesar's? Who? Brutus. He was not a friend at all. But with the way that Shakespeare presents Mm. it, and you too, Brutus, right? Right. You're like, oh, they're best friends. No, they were not. Actually, Brutus betrayed his former Pompeii chief for Caesar. So I say once a cheater, always a cheater. (laughs) Yeah, he was never a fan of Caesar. In fact, he married Caesar's arch enemy's daughter. (laughs) Okay. So he definitely (laughs) didn't like Caesar. He should have been the first one. Yeah, that doesn't. And if he did say ate brute, if you will, that was sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's like, okay, I'm dying. And you two might as well. Yeah, exactly. And it is really sad because Caesar's good friends are who turned on him, except for Mark Antony and then somebody else. I don't know who it was that had tried to save him. I mean, but that's it. They obviously must have been so close that the conspirators didn't want to ask them. You know, they must have been like, no, their brotherhood's too tight. So I think that Shakespeare just a little upset with him because he painted a different picture. And actually, Julius Caesar, the play is one of my all time favorites. Like, love it. Love, love, love it. And it's really what turned me on to Shakespeare, actually. And then I come to find out that he's not even really telling the truth. But at the end of the day, he he couldn't go historical fiction. Yeah. And also, it's not like he could go to the library or watch YouTube or Wikipedia, right? His access to resources was far less accessible than ours. So I guess that I will give him, I will give him a free pass on this. No Wikipedia for Shakespeare. (laughs) Probably be wrong anyway. (laughs) All right. So we're going to move forward. Monica, I wanted to bring up another famous person who was murdered because of their power and the people who wanted to take over the power, Archduke Ferdinand. And Who's he? Uh, he's the person who was assassinated that started World War One. Do you remember learning that and being like, who the frick's this dude? I'll never forget being like, what? Why'd this start the war? Yes. <laughs> 
Oh, it all has to do with marriage and love and assassination, basically. Oh, makes for a good soap opera. Yes. And it also, when I found out his full name, which I'm ashamed to admit I didn't know, it's also the name of one of my favorite bands, Franz Ferdinand. I wonder if that's to Franz Ferdinand for like (laughs) 12 years now. And I'm dying. That's funny. Now I know where they got the name from. Archduke Ferdinand was born in 1863 in Austria, but he gave up his children's right to the throne in order to marry a lady in waiting. But his country. He didn't. Well, he'd have to give up his own power. No, I wonder if he would have done it. I know. I wonder. Oh, that's funny. He wanted to restore the Austro-Russian relations while maintaining alliance with Germany. However, that was doomed. In the summer of 1914, Franz Ferdinand and his wife, Sophie, accepted an invitation to visit the capital of Bosnia, Sarajevo. I happened to have a Bosnian friend. She made me some soup once. It was delicious. That is a side point. Yes, it has to do with food. So Monica needs to insert it. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. But he'd been warned of terrorist activity by a nationalist organization called the Black Hand, but he ignored it. I think when you read about this guy, he's just a little pompous. He thought he was untouchable, I think. Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. He was bombed once in his car in a motorcade and then still didn't heed the warning. And then another time his driver took a wrong turn. Well, that's what's really strange about that wrong turn. So after the bomb, my understanding is after the bomb, they were not supposed to take that original route, but somehow didn't get the message. And they took the original route, even though they were supposed to take an alternative route. And so there were still assassins on the original route. And I think the driver was, it must have been in on it. I do too. And I mean, I think that's just kind of a thing when there's a driver in assassinations. Yes. I mean, it's kind of a thing. So apparently he was assassinated by a 19-year-old nationalist who was waiting when he took the wrong turn. To this day, it remains unclear whether the Serbian government participated in the scheme. But this whole assassination started World War One. <laughs> Right. But I don't understand why they wanted to assassinate him. I'm still I am always so confused about by that. And I also am confused why enough people cared for it to start a world war. Now, one of the conspiracies, like the kind of out there conspiracies on why this particular action started that is because modern weaponry. So the biggest nations, which are the ones that got in on this, right, the superpowers, had access to new military technology that they were just itching to use. Now, that is an alternative theory out there, okay? But I'm just saying people say this. Interesting. I read that the Serbians were outfitted with bombs, machine guns, all this like super extra stuff. Yeah, I just feel like history kind of repeats itself over and over when it comes to weaponry. It really does. It's like, how do these people get this weaponry that they didn't create right insert crickets because no one wants to answer these questions (laughs) nobody 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 yeah nobody knows okay yes they do somebody (laughs) knows right 
And all of this was like Eastern Europe, but somehow Western Europe got pulled into this. I just always have thought that this was so weird, even as a teenager, like what? I would definitely agree. And that's where the conspiracy is, right? I mean, right. And this was before NATO. So it doesn't even make sense. The quote that no one's really sure whether or not the Serbian government participated in this. <laughs> okay. Like, okay. That I think right we- there means it's a conspiracy. Correct. So it is definitely conspiracy because you can't answer that question. So that's what people have to understand about conspiracies. When there's open-ended questions that can't have true answers, that is where a conspiracy can come in. And I think that that's what we're going to see and what we have seen with these assassinations. And what we learned from Julius Caesar is that people do plot against you. And it may take 60 people. Well, I think a lot of people like to say that a conspiracy can't be real because that many people wouldn't be on it. And then I just want to point right back to Julius Caesar. Well, 60 people were willing to stab him with a dagger and they had a plan to do it on a certain day at a certain time. The more people that know, the harder it is to keep it a secret. Can you imagine being those 60 senators having to keep that quiet and somehow Caesar didn't find out? I think maybe that is um, a testament to the type of men or how they looked at what they were doing as so important. Very interesting. And they didn't have to keep it quiet after because, hello, they had blood on their hands. Stealing power. Yeah, you got to keep that quiet. (laughs) Yeah. But some of the assassinations, you got to keep it quiet. (laughs) You got to keep whatever you're doing quiet after, which is the interesting part about the Julius Caesar assassination is that they could just be like, yeah, we did it. Whereas these other ones, they're more of a conspiracy because no one wants to admit it. Right. I would definitely agree with you there. All right. So we're moving on from World War One into the fight for equality. And we have the unfortunate assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. I'm not a history buff. So I'm just going to give everyone like a tiny history lesson. And he was assassinated Great. in Memphis, Tennessee on April 4th, 1968. But in fact, he had already survived an assassination attempt in one of my favorite places, the shoe section of a Harlem department store 10 years prior. That's sad. It is sad. Um, I always think he's one of the saddest assassinations. All assassinations are sad, but his breaks my heart for so many other reasons. Well, yeah, because he really didn't have any power. He was no, trying to motivate he did not. change. Yeah. Yep. But 10 years prior, he survived. And this incident only affirmed his belief in nonviolence. Wow. I know. And I think that's really like slap me on one cheek, slap me on the other cheek mm-hmm. type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, because why would anyone want to assassinate him 10 years before like his momentum actually took off? Mm-hmm. So there are some conspiracies. The one prevailing one is that while James Earl Ray pled guilty and was convicted of killing mm-hmm. him, he eventually he retracted. Ah, I did not know that he retracted his confession. I did know that some of Martin Luther King's family thought that he was guilty. And I don't know if they still do. I just know that that was part of the story. 
Yes. So some did, but actually Coretta Scott King, Martin Luther King Jr.'s wife, publicly lamented that, and this is a quote, America will never have the benefit of Mr. Ray's trial, which would have produced new revelations about the assassination, as well as established the fact concerning Mr. Ray's innocence. Mm-hmm. So it exactly like his own <laughs> wife didn't believe that James Earl Ray actually killed her husband. Okay, so if it's not James Earl Ray, then who do they think it was? I could not find that. My understanding is that people think it's one of, you know, the alphabet agencies, if you will. And I do believe CIA. They think it's CIA. Now, I don't know why. Okay, so obviously the History Channel. <laughs> the History <laughs> Channel. I ain't going to share that Biography.com, they're not <laughs> going to list any of that, right? They're, they're just going to be yeah. super PC. Of course. I mean, I do like them as a starting point, but I take everything at face value. I like having more than one source. I like going sure. deeper. And I think that you do too. I think that our listeners do. And sometimes what will happen is I don't take something at face value. I go on, do more research. And then I'm like, oh yeah, nope, nope. Yep. That is right. I just encourage everyone to do that, even with what we're sharing today. Absolutely. So I think that the counter conspiracy theory out there is that the FBI played a hand. Now, does that mean James Earl Ray had nothing to do with it or was he a patsy? Don't really know any of that. I just know that they like to say FBI. They say that because Martin Luther King was harassed by the FBI. So they seem to think that maybe that's why there's even like this unredacted copy of a letter sent to King from the FBI that people like to use. Yeah, because on one occasion, like the FBI said that they had sex tapes of King's adultery and they tried to destroy his marriage to Coretta. Why would the FBI care? Why? Well, I feel like this is a podcast about (laughs) nothing serious seriously i mean honestly i think we all know why this was (laughs) so they wanted to destroy his marriage because they didn't want it had goats i mean it has to do with civil rights right that's where it all goes back to with this and if you really get into a lot of the communist and marxist leninist stuff going on at the time i mean that i'm sorry is not fall in line with a lot of what was trying to happen with civil rights So there's just so much because this and JFK, I would just tell everyone to go kind of do your own thinking. Yeah. And we're just, I'm spitballing right now. Like I have not dug deep enough to give a reason why the FBI would, other than the FBI had a goal and Martin Luther King Jr. was in the way of that goal. Now, I don't know what that goal was. I think that happens a lot in history. I feel like now there's a lot of suicides that are unexplained. It's like kind of like the FBI and CIA and weirdos, whoever is in control. You mean like Um, Jeffrey Epstein? Yeah, possibly like that. So like that conspiracy, it is now like so much more suicides that people question than assassinations. And I would have to be honest, like if I was going to be over something and I wanted it quick and easy without a lot of questions, suicide seems a lot better. 
like a lot easier. Not that I would do those things. And I am not even suggesting that that is what has happened in all these suicide conspiracies as well. But you have to admit that there has been a shift. We don't have assassinations like we used to. I think the last one of a prominent figure attempt was on Reagan. So really, since the 80s, a lot has yeah. changed that way. Even Robert Kennedy, he yeah. was assassinated too. Yeah. Oh, the Kennedys definitely could have their own entire podcast series. Oh, <laughs> uh, that might be something fun to dig into. That is definitely still a controversy. Mm-hmm. Who killed MLK? It's hard for it not to be a controversy when the wife of Martin Luther King Jr. said what she said. I mean, I get why people think it could have been someone else. I get it. Right. And I think that's the linchpin in it. Mm -hmm. She she doesn't believe that James Earl Ray actually killed him. Mm -hmm. And how he ended up at Heathrow Airport. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. No. Yeah. They found, you know, his fingerprints. Oh. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be an interesting one to get into. It definitely would be. All right. So here's my favorite. And you did all the research for this one where I thought I was going to do all the research, but I think it's more fun that you did it because. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I would like to speak to that. You and I started off this podcast talking about just very basic obsessions we had. We really kicked off the first episode. If you go all the way back to the HBO, The Vow, the very beginning is us talking about different obsessions that we've had. And what's been funny is that over time, you've come up with some ideas and I've come up with ideas and you've said to me, why not do one on Michael Jordan? You're obsessed with him or why not do one on Barbies? And I think after we've gone through this process, you see why it was so hard for me to ever say yes to Michael Jordan or to Barbies because my knowledge is so extensive. Yeah, I know everything that there is to know. I'm not going to learn anything new. And it's just such a part of my life. It's so hard to take it out and decide what's worth sharing. And I think that that is the problem that you probably had because I know that you have drug your feet on JFK. And I have been pushing so hard for this episode. And (laughs) Monica finally caved and probably because of my personality can be a little bulldogish. But she did. She finally caved. And what's really funny is Monica said she was going to take JFK. So when we went in and we shared a document and stuff, and I saw JFK wasn't filled out yet, we still had time. (laughs) I just went in and started doing it because I was like, I don't know anything about this. And that's kind of the fun, right? Like, I didn't know anything about Franz Ferdinand, the Archduke. I like to headline this with the shot heard around the world. Who did it? Lee Harvey Oswald, of course. Uh. Or, as I like to call him, the Patsy. Could there have been a bigger Patsy in all of history? I'm just not sure. Oh, I'm definitely not sure. He's the biggest (laughs) one. Definitely. I think so. So I would like to say that I just had, you know, kind of a basic understanding of JFK. He was shot, motorcade, Dallas. We think the government did it, maybe. But I didn't really know any details. So I know from history class and then from pop culture, but not immersing myself in any way that you did. Mm -hmm. So it's all very surface for me. For anyone who's looked into it, you're probably all going to wonder why I'm so excited. But anyway, it's very exciting. So I can't wait to share what I learned. And I cannot wait, Monica, for you to comment on some of it, but your comments can't be like, you didn't know that. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) I feel like that's going to be some of your comments. 
One theory that I've always heard, and I would like to explain what I thought it was, was the magic bullet theory. This is how much I don't know about JFK, Monica, which is shocking considering I thought the magic bullet theory meant that there was more than one bullet. Like this whole time, I thought he was only shot by one bullet, but then I come to learn that that's not the case. And so I'm going to explain what the magic bullet theory is for those of you who are like me. And you've only heard about this really honestly through pop culture in a meme like on Pinterest. Okay. (laughs) But I really think that the magic bullet theory is the opener. It's like what we talked about before, that open-ended question and why there is so much speculation around this assassination, even if this is all that I share with you, which it's not. So first of all, we got the magic bullet theory. And so bullet number one comes from Lee Harvey. He's up in a warehouse and he shoots down. It bounces off the pavement and then it hits a bystander. That is not magical. That's okay, not the magical bullet. that bystander go to the hospital and be like, I was just hit with a bullet? So that's not magical, that part of it, which I thought that part was going to be magical, right? But no, it's the second bullet. And this is insane. Bullet number two, I'm going to tell you its path. It's very long. Mm -hmm. Bullet number two hits JFK in the base of the neck, then exits through the front of his neck, continues to travel to the next seat through the governor's back, exits through his chest, then hits the governor's arm, exits through that, goes in his knee, exits through that, lands in the car as a perfectly intact bullet. That is the magic bullet. They even called it that during the hearings, during the Warren Commission. Perfectly intact. No. After going through that many body parts? Holy no. freaking crap. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sorry. Yeah. No. Perfectly intact bullet that went through a whole lot of flesh. So then there is bullet number three, which would be called the kill shot. Not magical, but lethal. And it's what hit JFK in the back of the skull, supposedly. That's the magic bullet theory. And that is what made people be like, what? This is something's not right here. Okay. They went ahead and they had the Warren Commission. Um, and the Warren Commission was like, ah, nothing to see here. And said, it is what it is. We only found three casings. We know this guy, Lee Harvey Oswald, did it. He did not have an accomplice. There could only be three shots. There's no more than three shots. No, there's only three shots. Nope. Stop talking about it. And this was in the 60s, shortly after JFK was shot. It sounds <laughs> like there's a lot of nothing to see here, just like yes. a lot of other high profile things that happen nowadays that don't involve ins- assassination. Right, right. So just nothing mm-hmm. to see here. Why are you asking? There's nothing to see here. Okay, so if the CIA is saying there's nothing to see here, there's only three shots. That's where people like the governor who got shot himself was like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, no, like I know there were two shots. One hit Kennedy in the neck. At the same time, I was getting shot from a different angle. Like he's like, there's just, it's not possible. So that's the governor and he got shot and he even believed there was more than three shots. That's amazing. And so let's talk about that innocent bystander. He does have a name. His initials are JT. I don't really remember his name, but they did talk to him. And it's actually his testimony Mm -hmm. that makes people believe even more. Now, this was in the original testimony. There had to be more than three shots. 
because he said what caused him to stop and look was he heard a gunshot. So oh. that, yeah. And that made me think this, that's my way. Did you stop to look at the motorcade? He, <laughs> he must not have been a fan of JFK. <laughs> he wasn't paying attention to me. He wasn't. I guess, I guess that that's the truth. Like, and you can see it on the video or something like he just didn't care. Oh, which is, the Zabruder film. Oh yeah, exactly. I that which, thing like so many times. That's the one where we can see him be assassinated. Correct. Yes. All right. So that answers your question about that guy. They did find him. He's not some mystery man. There is a mystery man I'll get into later. Now you talked about what was the name of that film? Because I didn't write this down. What was the name oh, of the film? The Zabruder film. This is a Bruder film. Okay. So there's another film and I'm going to tell the story about that because this is what really for me solidified everything that there were more than three shots. So in 1976, House Select Committee on Assassinations is formed. The reason that it is formed is because there's new technology. So they can pull audio out of another piece of footage, not the film you just said, another one from a different angle. This is something that I didn't have access to in 1992. You want to know why you didn't have access to it? I mean, if this had happened today, you might have had access. Okay. So like if anybody ever has heard about the Hunter Biden laptop and like the FBI has already lost it. And then that one senator's like, I have the copy. You can't lose things now, right? But back then you could lose things. So what happened was they played this film for the Select Committee on Assassinations. Okay. And in that film, six shots were heard and documented. Mm. Now, the reason you didn't have access to this film is because the very next day, the film and all other evidence from that hearing was stolen from CIA lockup. Yeah, because that happens every day. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so it was seen one time. It was determined there were six shots and it disappeared along with all the other evidence that was in that particular lockup. I'm not going to say it's all the evidence, but in that lockup. The committee formally says that they do believe it was a conspiracy to kill JFK. They do not think Lee Harvey acted alone. And they believed that there was one more shooter at least. Now, what they could not determine was who, who did it? Who was the other shooter? Any of that, because obviously a lot of the evidence was stolen. Oh, yeah. So this was not available in 1992. Right. It was not available the next day. (laughs) Now I need to, now I need to go back. I need to go back to my roots. You do, because this may have even been something that was still buried at the time. Like you would have probably had to have dug so deep because you would have had to have gotten into information about the House Select Committee on Assassinations from 1976. At 12 years old, that was not. Yeah, that's what I mean. I had access to. (laughs) I don't think that Lillian, even with all the access we have, would go that deep. I just don't. But it is interesting that a lot of the classified documents surrounding JFK's assassination mm-hmm. were released within the last three years. Yeah, they were. I think maybe 2017, they started being released. I don't know enough about no, the released no, I, I documents to you. No, okay. No. Okay. Because that's a whole it is, other It thing. is interesting because it's been long enough. And so now it started being kind of like portioned out. Yeah. And something like that, I personally feel like you don't need to put 75 year stamps on stuff. I mean, stuff needs to be released as soon as it can possibly be released. That's another episode, another comment for another time. 
<laughs> but if the CIA did it, would they want it to be released? Well, no, they like stole it out of their own locker. <laughs> right. Oh, but don't worry. I'm going to get into that. There is so much depth and layer to this that even probably came out since you were 12 years old, right? Oh, yeah. That is just kept blowing my mind, kept blowing my mind, kept blowing my mind. So I'm going to keep on keeping on with it if that's okay with you. All right, let's keep going. All right. So I thought I'm going to look up a prevailing conspiracy theory, right? And then I'm going to look up some nut job conspiracies. But honestly, the prevailing conspiracy theory has so much evidence behind it that I was like, I'm not taking up my time to look up weird conspiracy theories. Let's look up the one that you can see the data and the evidence just pile on. Oh, and that's the CIA. Absolutely. The CIA did it. Now, I think that we can see why people believe that. And even if we believe that, there's some evidence behind that thought process. Now, to sweeten that pot, JFK, soon after the Bay of Pigs incident, and if you want to know what that is, just hit up the Google or Wiki, okay? (laughs) He said that he wanted to shatter the CIA and scatter it to the wind. Because it was corrupt. probably. Yeah. Scary. And s- for those of you who don't know, I mean, the CIA is basically just an unchecked government institution that likes to or does and has just its own agenda and acts outside of the will of the executive branch. And I mean, I, I don't even want to get to the constitutionality of the CIA, but it is not under anything in the way that it should be. And it tends to go a little rogue. Just look up MK Ultra if you want to hear about the CIA going rogue. Okay. <laughs> All right. I was just going to say watch Homeland. Right. Is Homeland um, fictional? It's fictional. Okay. But MK Ultra is a real thing that they yeah. did. And it's worth looking up. And there's a lot of podcasts on that. And I know that we eventually kind of want to get into some episodes where we talk about things the CIA did that were real. <laughs> I'm not going to do that here. We only have so much time. So another thing that I didn't know, and Monica, tell me if you knew this. Okay. So prior to his death, JFK said in an interview that there are scary things in U.S. politics and that a secret society is planning to take it over. I want to say that I didn't know those things back in 1992 when I was digging into his death. Over the last few years, I have heard that. Now, could you imagine JFK today says that exact same thing? I think the reaction would be this. What a nut. He's such a nut conspiracy theorist. Good thing he can't tweet that. I mean, seriously, you have a freaking president of the United States saying these things. And I think that today, if you want to say anything about conspiracies, that you're shut down suddenly. And it's so silly. Like Julius Caesar was killed. 60 men were going to plot and do it. Things happen. It's okay to have conversation and it's okay to look at anomalies. And sometimes you're going to find out that they are just simply coincidences. I mean, we did a whole episode on coincidences. They happen, right? Or coincidences. Yes. Or coincidences. Or coincidences. Oh my God, that's my favorite. (laughs) The more evidence piling on. So we see, okay, JFK did not have a good relationship with them. And then this is the one where I was like, what? Mm -hmm. So the CIA also handled his motorcade detail horribly. Why would they do that? Well, right, for sure. Why why would they? So here's a question. 
that we may not have the answer to. So the CIA is supposed to handle things that happen on foreign land. Right. I've had the same question. Is supposed to handle things that happen in the United States. Yeah. Domestic. Yeah. Domestic. Thank you. Why wasn't it the Secret Service? Why wasn't it the FBI? Right. And I don't know if the Secret Service existed at this time. That was something I didn't get to look up, but it would be more under FBI jurisdiction for this. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is weird. I don't think there was secret security. Probably. uh, Now I got to look that up, Monica. I can't take it. Service established. I can't. We have to have that answer because it it tells something to us, right? Well, the Secret Service was founded July 5th, 1865. Okay, so it existed. It existed. We just don't know probably the parameters of what they had to do with the president at the time. So that's hard to answer. But yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Or even the United States Marshals, I feel like, would have more jurisdiction over this. It's strange to me that it's the CIA because they are basically foreign soil. Exactly. They shouldn't be handling domestic affairs. So what they did, here's, let me just give you one example of something they did. Okay. That there were over 20,000 windows that JFK's motorcade was going to pass by. And so the CIA did a calculation and decided that that was too many to cover. So their official stance on it was to cover zero windows. How do you cover zero windows? Yeah. And also, like, if I was plotting, I would cover some just to make it look like I tried. I mean, if anybody would like help on how to be a better liar, apparently I'm, I've got some some stuff to tell you today. But, I mean, why wouldn't you just pretend and cover a few? Yeah, no, uh, that's insane to me. Why would and you cover none? Nowadays, if you want to pull off some sort of super crime, having none of the video cameras in a three mile radius work. Right. Like what makes you question it? So there was another part of this that was really strange. And we talked about this with the Archduke Ferdinand, right? Mm-hmm. He had that weird driver. Yes. Who still went on the old route, right? Mm-hmm. So the driver, a CIA agent, so the driver of the motorcade went against all formal training. When he hears the gunshot, he's supposed to drive away as fast as possible, right? Right. And that's, I mean, I also think that's like a natural reaction. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but he did the opposite. He actually slowed down to seven miles an hour and then hunched over as if to duck and cover. Interesting. And even Jackie Kennedy came out as saying he was acting like a weirdo. I mean, that's a paraphrase. She probably didn't say weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he probably was acting like a weirdo. Yes. So have you ever heard about the Umbrella Man? I mean, have I heard of the Umbrella Man? Of course. All right. Tell us about him. Yeah. Tell us. Okay. So Lee Harvey had a supposed accomplice on the ground and the man has an umbrella, which he raises high in the sky just as the motorcade goes by. And it's a signal. And then at that moment, the first shot rings out. That's Mm -hmm. crazy because then the Mm -hmm. umbrella man just closes the umbrella and sits on the ground while everyone else in the crowd freaks out. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what the CIA did? What? They brought to prove that that man had nothing to do with it. They brought in a man wearing the same suit with an umbrella, which the umbrella is one you could get anywhere. And they were like, see, this is the man. And he says he didn't do anything. And the judge was like, you didn't do anything. 
And everyone's like, yep. <laughs> that is insane. Okay. Yeah. In 1992, <laughs> none of this information was available to me. No, um, no. This is digging deep. Uh, so I, I, love I mean, for 1992, that. it would have been so deep. And then I think I got all this information. Actually, I'm not going to lie. A lot of the information I got today is from a channel I love on YouTube. I am shouting it out if you like this kind of stuff. Windigoon and W-E-N-D-I-G-O-O-N. Anyway, it'll be in the resources. He has like a lot of stuff like this that he breaks down easily. And I think that's why I was able to learn so much so quickly. He did sure. all the deep dives. <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. We're getting to one of my favorite parts, which is a little bit morbid, mm-hmm. but they lost JFK's brain. Yeah. Like immediately. Yeah. Like why, why isn't it available? I want to see the gunshot. Right. I want to see such a conspiracy. Uh, Oh yeah. I like this little piece of information. The original investigation done by the Warren commission was comprised almost entirely of CIA agents who were also later found to have suppressed a lot of information about the assassination. Conflict of interest, anyone? But why would they be investigating themselves? They didn't do it. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I know, but what's so crazy? It's it's perfect. It's like, you know, I'm going to murder someone and then be in charge of the investigation. Sorry. Yeah, it's like you're in charge of the security detail, but you're also going to be in charge of the investigation. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I think that people were so much more trusting of government institutions government, just anything in general back. Also, access to information was very low. It kind of reminds me of back like when the Catholic Church wouldn't allow you to read the Bible and they would just tell you what it said, even though it didn't say some of the stuff it said. Yeah. <laughs> kind of reminds me of that. You know, it was so hard to get access to information. And I think that we take that for granted today. Now, of course, there can be crazy stuff out there that's not real. And that's why I always say, go try to find it in more than one place or use deductive reasoning about it. That's right. Lee Harvey Oswald, I call him the patsy, especially because he was assassinated by Jack Ruby. You can't make it any more perfect assassination than assassinating the supposed Assassin. assassin. Because then he can't speak for himself. Right. He can't turn on anybody. And then to kick it off, Jack Ruby dies four months later. And all of his family debts were paid. I mean, that is something I definitely didn't know in 1992. Oh, yeah. The alternate conspiracy on this is that the mob did it. And that's why Jack Ruby did it was for the mob and why his family debts were paid. But it's like, if the mob did it, why did the CIA cover things up? And why didn't they just spin it originally in the Warren Commission that the mob did it? The mob did it. Right. I mean, come they on. Had other That's options. a stretch. Yeah, the I mob agree. did. It's probably a lie that the CIA put. Oh, <laughs> I, I totally agree. Yeah, they're oh, like, or the mainstream media. They're like, the mob yeah. did it. The mob did it. I don't know where that conspiracy came from, though. So I don't know that that I don't. Well, I don't think that the mainstream media did. I mean, they were very much Lee Harvey Oswald because at that time, again, they were also they only had access to so much information. You know, the question I have, Monica, that's not answered here. Wonder if you know, but you probably don't. But like that alternate video, I was like, why wasn't it brought up during the Warren Commission? Oh, duh. 
<laughs> um, I never saw the alternate video. I didn't even well, know there was one. It's just kind of crazy that they didn't destroy it. But right. I think that whoever was behind this, they were just so arrogant that they knew they could do what they wanted. Now, Monica, I'm going to get to a conspiracy. It goes along with all of this, but it's definitely one of those ones that is out there. Okay. People, it will, it will make people uncomfortable when I talk about it. Oh, um, yeah. And I came across this one a few weeks ago and I saved it in our little file to look back at later. And I, I thought to myself initially, I was like, uh, okay, people. And that, wow. <laughs> but that, that was before I, I did this dive in on JFK. So we've talked about JFK and the CIA. So just yes. keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. Yep. So I'm just going to share what other people have been known to say. I'm not making any comments on validity. I'm telling you why they believe this. I haven't done a whole lot of research on it. But a lot of people out there think that George H.W. Bush knew of JFK's assassination. I've actually heard that theory before. Yeah. And here's the reasons that they claim. George H.W. Bush, so that's the first Bush for everybody who doesn't know, claims (laughs) that he does not remember where he was the day President Kennedy was assassinated. Which is insane because my mother remembers exactly where she was. You know what's even more insane is that he was in Dallas and he was also a member of the CIA at the time. And he was also in charge of motorcade security. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, and also soon after he was promoted to the director of the CIA and to seal the deal for these conspiracy theorists, it was George H.W. Bush, who in 1992 signed the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act, which basically got all that data in one place. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I see why people think what they think. Like I said, I haven't dug in. I don't know. There could be so many explanations for this, but really the big kicker that people point back to is like, why are you trying to say you don't know where you were? That's strange. That is strange. And like everyone knows, like I know where exactly I was on 9-11. Right, right. Everyone knows where they were during these types of events. Exactly. It's something ingrained in your brain. Especially if you're in the CIA, just saying. So my guess is he was <laughs> like, I qualified him to be in the CIA. I'm just, I'm just asking because, um, well, <laughs> maybe I wanted to apply at one that's, point. One, you're not from the right family. Two, are you in any secret societies? Three, <laughs> I, I, mean, I feel Kyle like there's so- a secret society. Ain't that secret. And it's women. And <laughs> no, honestly, these conspiracies, you know, something else, which we learned in the Americana episode is that the Bushes are New Englanders. They ain't Texans. And that was very interesting when I found it out. Monica, I did want to address one thing. So the JFK thing. Well, actually, do you have anything else to add to the JFK that I may have missed? Oh, goodness. I just wish I had had the internet in 1992. <laughs> And Your mom this, would have had, like, she no, had to like I, pull I you had, away. Yeah, no, the screen time would have been extremely limited and I probably would have been institutionalized because I would have been <laughs> super obsessed. Yes. But no, I love all the new information and it's great that we have access to all of this. So if anyone wants so to dive deeper, we have links in the show notes. 
I did want to address something I think people will probably bring up or at least thought about at some point in this episode. And that is what about Abraham Lincoln, right? Yeah. And I think that Monica and I made an executive decision to not include him in this episode because it is very extensive. We are looking at doing an Abraham Lincoln episode anyway, and we just thought it might be better served at another time. It's not that it's not obviously of historical importance, right? Oh, right, right, right. I'm glad you mentioned <laughs> that. There's just a lot that goes into it. There is. There's a lot that goes into prepping in general. And I would like to share that with everyone. One so, is no, no, get this. making ourselves do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. One is the motivation. We'll, the we'll talk about is- the episodes for a half an hour, but not plan one thing. <laughs> yeah. No, the The other thing is dealing with the chaos of the, the children and the husbands and the drama of everyday life. And like I oh, told Paul sure. the last couple of days, I'm like, Paul. I basically have a research paper to write and I've got 30 (laughs) minutes every night to do it. And he's like, what? It's so true. I think that what I do like is it's the fun part of research papers. I don't actually have to write paragraphs and have references put in with the parentheses. You know what I mean? So I am at least thankful for all of that. Punctuation and uh, yes. But it is the same amount of research. It absolutely is. And one day I'm going to challenge us to do it at the library. (laughs) Well, I mean, I have a library nearby. Yeah. It's tiny. This is more history research than I ever did in college. Eh, Maybe not really, but I enjoy it now more than ever. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Two Monicas and a Microphone. If you're folding laundry, driving, literally doing anything while you listen to us, thank you. Share us with a friend, leave a five-star rating, and write a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your support starts there. Thanks. It was fun. 